What's up, everyone? Welcome to Stick to Football. I'm your host, Connor Rogers. Matt is still on vacation. Melo is at school, so you're riding with me solo for a little bit of today's show. Obviously, still going to go around the league, take a look at the latest news at this quiet time of year. Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl, is going to be joining me for a you know, pretty long conversation as we go through some of the standout names in the 2020 senior class, maybe some sleepers and anything new we can expect from that event in Mobile this year. And finally, going to close the show at your draft on draft questions. Going to keep that rolling. So not much changing, even though it's just me this week. And then the boys will be back on Friday for a full Friday show. But one thing I wanted to take a look at to kick things off here, I found a really interesting article on NFL.com by Adam Shine, ranking each division by quarterback. He had the AFC West and the NFC West at the top of this list. I think there's a lot to break down here. It's a really interesting concept, especially when you factor in the rookie class and how much of an impact they're going to make, what kind of jumps are the year two quarterbacks going to make in this group, which is really exciting stuff. I I can't disagree with what he has at the top with the AFC West. When you talk about probably the best quarterback in the entire league right now, Patrick Mahomes, that gives it a really good edge. But I think the more important note is how good Phillip Rivers still is a top six kind of quarterback. And then The bigger question here that I think is what are we going to get from Joe Flacco and Derek Carr this year? I think Carr finished the season strong and now has a lot more help with Antonio Brown, a a true dominant number one wide receiver. And obviously Josh Jacobs in that backfield and, you know, some new pieces, some key pieces on that offensive line. I'm not a believer that Flacco has a lot left in the tank. We'll see. But the point is when you have, you know, two star quarterbacks in the division, one in Carr, that's a middle of the pack guy that's really had some highs in the passing and get back to that form this year. This is a star studded group. The NFC West at number two was fascinating because it, we know what Jared Goff can do, especially in Sean McVay's system. Jimmy G went healthy. I think under Kyle Shanahan can develop into that star quarterback. Many were expecting. And Russ Wilson is the headliner of this group as a top five guy. Uh, once again, the X factor in this group is Kyler Murray, you know, being a rookie quarterback, we haven't seen him play, but in Cliff Kingsbury's system, you, you expect star kind of numbers, I think pretty quickly inflated numbers. And you can make an argument that this could be flipped by the end of the year. The NFC West could actually be, you know, possibly the best quarterback division in the NFL. I think the head coaches in this division really help as well. But, you know, where it got interesting to me was the middle of the pack here, the AFC East at five, because Tom Brady obviously is the headliner. But what kind of jumps are Josh Allen, Sam Darnold? And it's hard to believe now Josh Rosen is in this division. Those three guys being top 10 picks of the 2018 class. If all three of those guys make the improvements they're expected to. This is also one of the best divisions by quarterbacks in the entire league. The AFC North, not that different. Is Lamar Jackson going to grow as a passer? Baker Mayfield looked like a star in that winning streak that the Browns had last year. Andy Dalton, I think his days are kind of numbered in Cincinnati. When it comes down to it, this division still has Ben Roethlisberger, who's been one of the better quarterbacks in football for some time. So I think ranking them right at four was was relatively fair, but I think the AFC East can jump this group if those guys do hit. And obviously going back to number three here, the NFC North, I think Mitch Trubisky made a lot of jumps last year. Aaron Rodgers is going to come out hungry this year. I think he could still be the best quarterback in football and reclaim that title. Uh, Matt Stafford and Kirk Cousins, those guys have won a lot of games in the past and put up really, really big time numbers. So it's a fascinating exercise because there's so many what ifs and a lot of it has to do with the town around them, the coaching I thought the most underrated or overlooked one on this group was number six, the NFC South. 
Uh, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, and Drew Brees all in the same division, and they're number six. I know Jameis Winston hasn't been the guy many expected him to be, but when you look at Bruce Arians coming there, if anyone can fix Jameis Winston's problems or at least mitigate some of the issues there, specifically the decision-making, I do think it's a coach like Bruce Arians. And Matt Ryan continues to be one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the league. We know, Same with Cam Newton. I mean, you want him to be healthy, but we're talking about MVP talent with Cam Newton, and obviously Drew Brees is Drew Brees. So I think this was kind of the most overlooked group on this list. I thought six was a harsh ranking here. I could even have them, honestly, at number two if I was betting on projecting the 2019 season. And to round out the list, you have the AFC South. We know when healthy Deshaun Watson and Andrew Luck can legitimately be top five quarterbacks in the league. Marcus Mariota, another guy that's just been banged up, but we haven't seen the star potential or star talent there yet. Nick Foles, fascinated to see him out of Philadelphia. I don't want to say in a brand new system, but with a new team, a new roster, some question marks at wide receiver, although they've added a lot of talent to that offensive line and they want to run the football down in Jacksonville. So this is kind of another one of those. It can go a lot of different ways. You could finish the year in Watson and Luck can be top five in passing, you know, efficiency and touchdowns across the league. So Seven, I don't think it was harsh. I just think it's one of those ones that can make the jump. And then, of course, you have the NFC East. A lot of people are obviously, and us on this podcast, are high on Carson Wentz, another guy that just has to stay healthy. I think Eli Manning's days are long, long over. What are we going to get from Dwayne Haskins in Washington this year? And Dak Prescott has been a middle-of-the-pack kind of quarterback. So I thought the eighth overall ranking, you know, dead last for the NFC East was fair just because we have the question marks around Haskins. We know what Eli Manning is, and that's just simply not very good anymore. And we do want to see Carson Wentz make that full health return. So the article was a fun exercise. It's a really interesting way to look at things. I think it would be interesting to do this almost by every position group to see how things shake out. But when you have the the star impact or the impact that the quarterback position plays, it, it was really interesting to take a look at. So great job by Adam Shine there. I'll have to ask Matt and Mello how they thought about this list as well, maybe on the Friday show. But Going to take a quick break. Going to have Jim Nagy on from the Senior Bowl for a while. We're going to go through a lot of the seniors that are already making headlines going into the year on these preseason rankings and maybe what lies ahead for the big event in mobile. So we'll be right back. All right, we are back here on Stick to Football, and I am very, very happy to be joined by our reoccurring guest, Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl. Jim, first off, man, how are you doing? Finally, you could take a breather here and relax now that your first overall senior bowl year is in the books. <laughs> well, Connor, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, not really a breather. I've lost my whole football staff to the NFL over the last couple Jesus, of weeks. Jesus, so I didn't know I'm, that. I'm like, I'm the HR department here, so I need to I need to figure this out and find some uh, some more football people. But no, things have things have things have quieted down, and uh, uh, already looking forward to next year. If anything, that's kind of a compliment, though, right? Yeah, no, I mean it was it was the goal. I mean, you, you not many not many people design a business model where they want to lose their staff on a yearly basis, but um, but that is that is the goal every year is to place these guys in the NFL with, with teams, and we we were able to do that with uh, with everyone. So everyone, you know, was here for a year and, and and got in, so that was great. But uh, it does create a little bit of a challenge moving forward, and. This was a hard year. It's going to be a difficult year for us to restaff because there was such little movement on the team side this year with, um, you know, Oakland and, and now recently the Jets um, GM turnovers. And, uh, you know, so there's not many scouts on the street right now. Um, guys that are veteran scouts that the way we want to build this thing out every year, there's there's not many of those guys out there. So we'll see, but we'll we'll figure it out. We'll make it work. 
So I'd actually love to ask about that process because is that a situation where you guys look more to take a risk on younger guys, whether it's GAs at colleges or guys that just want to break in and you know you're somebody that can develop them? Or do you like a blend of the staff where you also like having some guys with plenty of experience in the past? Well, our two in-house positions, I, I do want to be younger guys um, that I can train and, and uh, you know, get into that entry-level position in the NFL, really train them, there, expose them to as much as we possibly can, you know, in terms of scouting games and, and watching a bunch of tape and writing reports and, you know, working through the year, going to pro days and all-star games and, and really exposing them to everything. And then, you know, the area scout positions I do want for guys, I want to have those uh, positions for guys that have been in the league and have experience and have contact because we are in a limited budget. So, you know, the guys can't get on planes and we can't be, you know, staying overnight in a bunch of hotels. So a lot of the work is done over the phone um, when it comes to just, you know, some of the background work and trying to figure out which of these juniors have graduated. So it really helps when they're guys that have contact in the league with other scouts and with the schools. Um, so really the plan is just to find guys that, uh, you know, get caught in a, a transition phase with an organization, get let go. Um, you work for us for a year, well, you know, and then and then get back in the following year. Just just give guys that are out of work um, for that year a place to go and and stay current and stay current on a group of players and uh, and then get back in the next year. Which uh, thank God it, it worked out for three of those guys this year. Yeah, that's fantastic news. And I, I wanted to ask you what you do this time of year, and it sounds like that'll take up a lot of that time, but. Are you already personally looking ahead at that 2020 senior class tape to get a good read on these guys? Yeah, we started that process. Really, the, the two uh, our two scouting assistants, uh, Jack Gilmore, who just got a job with the Raiders as the college scouting coordinator, and Dante Farnioli, who who just went to the Atlanta Falcons as a scouting assistant. Um, those guys started on next year's group uh, March 1st, so they've really. And they just left wow. last week. So they've, for, you know, whatever, close to three months, have been working on next year's class. Now, there, there's about 200 names on the board right now, and I've probably seen myself 40 to 50 of them. So I have a lot of catch up to do. But, uh, in, you know, in terms of where we were at a year ago, I mean, I wasn't even hired for this position last year at this point. So we're, we're way further ahead. So I feel really good about where we're at. Um, it's just going to take me the whole summer to, to get caught up. Um, with how this board has been built out so far. But I really like where we're at right now, way far ahead. Yeah, I always get a good laugh. I see, uh, you know, various people tweet at you. What about this player? What about this player? Because they're fans of that school. And you often reply with a screenshot of their name already printed out and tagged. So I think you're, I would agree, you are way, way ahead on everything. And I know you brought up that it's a time of year where there's not a lot of turnover in the NFL. But right now, there is an open job, surprisingly local for me, with the New York Jets job being open and one of the guys officially scheduled to interview for this job yet again, he interviewed in 2015 is Scott Fitterer from the Seahawks. Now, Jim, I know you worked with him. Is there anything, uh, you know, insider wise that you can offer what it was like working with him and, and as he looks to hopefully make a jump to a GM position? Yeah, Scott, he's an awesome guy. He's, uh, you know, one of his greatest strengths is, is he's a real people person. He, he can get along with anybody. Um, he's great in a draft room. You know, sometimes there's um, certain individuals that can that can make things uh, not difficult in a draft room. But you know, there there can be some there can be some sticky points. And Scott's always a guy that can smooth things out, and he's got a really great way with people. You know, he's been up up in Seattle with John Schneider for forever, 
you know, he and, he and Trent Kirshner are, are kind of John's right-hand man. And uh, they've done a great job, and Scott's ready. You know, he's he's been he's been on John's side all these years, and you know, John goes about his business, and and you know, I'm I'm, I'm probably a little biased, but I think John, you know, is good at what he does as anyone in the NFL. So uh, Scott's ready for the opportunity, and I think that it's just going to come down to, you know, they're going to try to find that fit with Adam Gaze. But um, if he and Adam click on the interview, uh, I think it would be a really good situation because Scott's more than ready. Well, that's exciting to hear because I do think the rosters that you guys built over there over the years, some of those guys are definitely well worthy of at least an interview right now as they go through turnover. But we know you handle everything Senior Bowl related, but you also took on a big analyst role this year. What was that transition like from being a longtime NFL scout to not only a media personality and scout, but just being in front of the camera, especially with a network like ESPN? Yeah, it was different. It's a lot, right? <laughs> it was, it was, it was awesome. It really was a great experience. The people at ESPN were were great to work with. What made it a little easier for me was I had background with a lot of those guys that I ended up on on television with. Uh, you know, Damian Woody and Teddy Bruschi were in New England when I was there, and I scouted Victor Cruz, and and you know, there was just so like all the all the guys I ended up being on with. There was some sort of connection, and that just made it easier. And then talking football. Is, is really actually pretty easy. So for sure. um, it, it wasn't, it wasn't that difficult. It was really an enjoyable, really enjoyable experience. The, uh, you know, the most difficult part Connor was, was, you know, balancing my role with the senior bowl with that role, because again, you know, most analysts can go on there and just really let, let it rip and say how they feel about players. But, you know, I really had to be careful, um, you know, as a fine line, I, I couldn't be too negative on some of these guys because, you know, they're, they all have agents and all their, all these guys, yeah. the next, all these guys for the 2020 senior bowl are going to be represented by somebody. So I, you know, I couldn't really get after, um, you know, some of the players and, and be completely open about my feelings on players just because I know next year coming around, um, you know, some of these, some of these agents are going to be representing players, but, uh, but no, I mean, I I tried to be as honest as I could with with all those evaluations. Um, I think if it, it would be it would be a lot easier if it if that were my sole job. If I were just a draft analyst and I could come on there and, and let it fly how I you know how I saw things. So when I when I talked about players, I really tried to craft it in a positive spin, um, and, and you know I, I and, and, and be honest at the same time. So no, it was it was a really cool experience. The weekend in Nashville was great. And uh, I hope I hope they'll have me back to do it again next year. Was there any part of you that missed life on the road this year? Uh, Not yeah, much, I right? <laughs> I, I miss seeing the guys. I did. Yeah. I, you know, you you have a real camaraderie with with guys with guys on the road from other teams. So I did miss seeing the guys, and you catch up on the phone a bunch. But that wasn't the same, you know. And I I got out to about twelve schools last August. I plan on doing about the same this year. Um, so get a little bit of fix. And then I, you know, I was at games on the weekend, so I, I did see guys, but, um, in terms of travel and, and, you know, staying up till midnight and one o'clock in the morning, writing reports and all that. No, I didn't miss that at all. So I, I have an interesting question for you because I get various feedback on this all the time from different scouts. Do you value going to schools practices more or games? Um, Gosh, that's a good question. I, yeah, I think you, you can you, you can have different takeaways from each. Really, um, at practice, you're always looking for guys. Just practice tempo and effort. I think that tells you really how much guys love football is how much they're putting into it during the week. 
I think you can see you can see the mental side of it quite a bit. Um, you know, if you're really in tune with how guys are taking coaching during practice, so that's that's really big. And then, uh, you know, you can see what kind of teammates they are um, at the end of practice. If they're running gassers, you know who's you know who's the leader, who's who's being a supportive teammate. So there's all those things in practice, and then uh, you know in the game, it's more so um, games for me are more driven towards uh, quarterback play. I think I think that if okay. you like a quarterback, I mean, the rule of thumb going back to the Ron Wolf school, which I was raised under, you know, the, the, the thought is if you like, if you're going to give a quarterback a draftable grade, then you better go see him live. Cause it's not so much what's happening when the ball snapped, it's, it's between the snaps, you know, and what guys are doing, um, you know, between series on the sideline with teammates and on the, on the phones with coaches and just how in tune they are. So, there's different takeaways, but to me, they're both valuable. You know, games are also really valuable because if you miss a coach at the it's a school visit, you can, you know, you get there early enough, you can get that, you can get a lot of coaches on the field before the game and get some good information. So, um, there, there's a, to me, there's a lot of value to both. So in that school of thought from Ron Wolf, because that's really interesting, and and I completely agree. I've gotten a better read on quarterbacks that I've seen in person, whether it's at the Senior Bowl, at games, or even bowl games. Is it the thought that you're seeing him throw live or is it more of the mental and person personality aspect, whether like, for instance, I remember Mike McCagnan had said that he sat in the front row to watch Sam Darnold specifically on the sidelines against USC, or is it a combination of everything? Yeah, I think it's a combination. Um, you know, I do think that arm strength is one thing that's pretty difficult to gauge off just, just strictly off tape. Unless, unless the guy has a complete cannon for an arm, um, and it just really jumps out, and it's easy to tell. But there's not too many guys that way. I, I really think you can decipher arm strength. You can decipher touch. Um, you just see how cleanly a ball comes off a guy's hand, how catch a ball, catchable of a ball he throws. So all those things are takeaways on the field. And then, and then, yeah, I mean, it's 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 showing up three hours before the game and seeing the guys come out when they're just when they're just you know doing pat and goes with the, with the wide receivers and just seeing how they interact with those guys and their skill guys to, you know, right before the game when, when the offensive linemen are out there and they're, and they're going, they're going through pregame. I mean, there's, and then like you said, in, in the game, just seeing how they're, you know, after, after a bad throw, you know, bad interception, what do they do? Is it different when they come to the sidelines than when they come off after, you know, a normal drive or a scoring drive? So, all those things are takeaways, but you really got to be in tune. I think if you're going to go see a quarterback play, um, that's the guy you should really be dialed in on for that day. I mean, it's not not that you can't have some takeaways from some other players and you wouldn't notice some other things over the course of the game, but if you're going to see a quarterback, you should really be locked in on that guy. So looking ahead to next year, I'd love to start right there because I think this quarterback group can be a ton of fun for you guys. Obviously, the big one is Justin Herbert. I think in a way it was fantastic news for you when he decided to go back to school because we'd love to see a star quarterback like him down in Mobile next year. And a guy that we're already getting a lot of questions about from our listeners is Steven Montez. What have you noticed from this senior quarterback class so far already? Yeah, I would, you know, getting Justin in this group was, was good. And, you know, he's got some inconsistencies in his play, but sure. uh, he, he is really talented. Um, you know, we'd love to have him down here. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing him at the Manning camp here in about three weeks. He wasn't there last year. So I'm excited to see him throw live. And, uh, Steven Montez is actually a guy that I spent a lot of time with last year at the senior bowl. They, they have a party one of the nights at one of the local, 
uh, guys' houses down there, and and I just got caught up talking to Stephen about a lot of different things. He's really, really a great kid, and uh, you know, again on tape, he does a lot of a lot for a big quarterback. He's athletic. Um, you know, I really like his arm. So there's there's he's a guy that's really interesting. And then you work through that group. Those are probably two of the guys I've seen the most tape on, but. You know, the names up there for us right now, you got Brian Lewerke from Michigan State, who I think um, had a really nice 2017. I talked to a couple of scouts that I respect last year, and, and they actually, um, they're in that area of the country, and they thought Lewerke was a better prospect than Will Greer. Um, and, you know, Will Greer went in the second round this year. So, and I, Lewerke, I know, was hurt last year, went through some stuff physically. So, if he could have a bounce back here for the Spartans, it'd be big. You know, Nate Stanley at Iowa is a guy. Joe Burrow at LSU, who, you know, just loved the makeup of that guy. You know, we were at the LSU Pro Day this year. And just to hear the coaches talk about, you know, what a competitor and, and tough guy Burrow is, he's, you know, he's going to be interesting. So it's a, it's going to be an interesting class to see how it all comes together. And, and I'm really looking forward to seeing most of these guys over there in Thibodeau, Louisiana, at the Manning Camp in a couple weeks. Yeah, I know the the staff at Ohio State loved Burrow, and I think that carried over to LSU. We got to see him against Georgia, and uh, honestly, just very impressive how he can at least manage the game for that team, a team that really needed help at that position. And and also who these guys are going to be throwing to, I think, once again, some good news with players that stayed. And the three that stood out for me, and I'm sure we'll get through most of the list as the summer goes on, but Brian Edwards, Denzel Mims, and, and Colin Johnson, I don't think anyone expected him to stay at Texas and he did. And and that team has some big plans to hopefully win the big 12. But what have you noticed from some of these big wide receivers? Yeah, that's, that's the thing that sticks out, Connor. Is it is going to be a big class. You know, there's, this is a really big group of guys. You've got a catch Colin radius Johnson, for Colin days. Johnson at Texas, Michael Pittman jr. At USC six, four chase Claypool at Notre Dame, six, four Edwards at South Carolina, six, three. Um, so really, really a big class. Um, you can go all the way through, and you know even Jawan Johnson, six, another six-four guy, transfer from Penn State to to Oregon. Uh, you know that's the way the league's going is is bigger, more athletic receivers, and um, it should be a really strong class this year. Especially you know the senior class is going to be good, and then you've got all the guys coming out of Clemson and Alabama, which which uh, you know will strengthen the class as well. So there teams that need wideouts. This should be a better year than it was a year ago. I'm with you all the way on that. And the last name I had circled on this early watch list, I think this will be possibly my favorite player that hopefully will be at the Senior Bowl next year. Keyshawn Vaughn from Vanderbilt. I mean, you want to talk about big play threat. Once again, I heard, Jim, this guy would have went in the second round if he had declared last year. I'm sure he didn't get the same news on his advisory grade, but just from talking to a couple of teams, they had a second or third round grade on him. Have you gotten to see some of his big play ability yet? Yeah, I have. I saw him last year. That was Vandy was one of the schools I hit last August, and he okay. jumped out. He jumped out even in practice, you know. And they've got three skill guys on that Vandy team. I'm staring at them right now. They're all close to the top of the board at their positions, which which you know you don't see Vandy skill guys up there like that. But Kalijah Lipscomb, the receiver, Jared Pinkney, the tight end, and Keyshawn Vaughn. That's a that's a heck of a threesome for for Vanderbilt. But yeah, Keyshawn's talented. I, I have gone back and watched a bunch of his tape. Uh, really good player. He and Zach Moss from Utah, I think, have a chance to be drafted higher than than any of the backs we had in this year's game. You know, running back's really a hard position for All Star games because a lot of time, if they're you know the really good backs will leave as juniors just in fear of you know you know running themselves out of carries at the college level. So 
to have two guys like Keyshawn Vaughn and Zach Moss coming back for their senior years um, is going to be huge. We'd love to have both of them. I know we talked about this a little on the top, but more than ever on this show, we've gotten questions from aspiring scouts looking to break in. And I know this is something that you and I have talked about on this show, along with Matt. Do you think that path is changing at all in today's NFL as more analytics jobs open up or more necessarily video kind of jobs that are in-house open up? How has that changed over time? Yeah, I think that uh, the, 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 I always tell guys it's almost a double-edged sword. So when I got in back in the 90s, there weren't even scouting. There weren't even internships in scouting. Like I, okay. I've told you guys before, I've, I, I had to get my foot in the door through the PR, PR department, get an internship that way. And then, you know, that staff in Green Bay that I was on had five future GMs. So I was just always upstairs bothering John Schneider and Reggie McKenzie, asking those guys if I could watch tape for them whenever we, whenever I had a free second from my PR work. That's amazing. So, um, so there's a lot more opportunities now for sure. Um, but there's also a lot more, um, you know, demand. There's a lot more guys that want to, want to get into scouting. I think the, uh, you know, just the internet over time and now social media has really, has really bolstered the whole industry. And, and, um, so there's, yeah, again, it's, it, it's, it's almost, it's, there's more opportunities, but it's almost more difficult to get into because there's so many people that want to get into scouting nowadays. So it's, uh, I, I don't know which one's better breaking in when I did 25 years ago or now, I don't know which one's easier, but, uh, but yeah, there's certainly in the analytics helps too. That analytics side of it is is another way into the scouting realm and gets you in a draft room. So so people that want to attack it that way, that's that's another smart way to go. Well, I think we have the universal message for all of them, and that's go to the Senior Bowl and make as many contacts as you possibly can. Before I let you go, one more. Anything new in the works for next year's Senior Bowl already? As you try to make this thing even bigger and better than it already is. Yeah, we're we're really trying to build out the week, Connor. I'm glad you asked that. You know, just being up in Nashville, a part of that ESPN crew for the draft, it was really eye opening to see. You know, you know how big the draft is. It's one, but to me, I've seen it on TV the last few years, but to actually witness it and what Broadway looked like in Nashville with those 600,000 people reported over the course of the weekend, um, man, it was such an event. And I think that. Uh, I don't know if we've always put our best foot forward here at the Senior Bowl, really marketing what a great fan experience this is. You know, I mean, the the draft is really exciting because that's, you know, really Christmas morning for fans. They get to unwrap their, their new gift and, and see what their team has. But, you know, just in terms of pure football, uh, we've got so much to offer at the Senior Bowl. I mean, guys that are diehard football fans, the guys that, you know, just really love the draft and love football. I mean, you can you can be there right down on field level, ten feet from where the offensive defensive line one on ones are happening. You can you can go over to the hotel and, and grab a, a Baker Mayfield or you know a Daniel Jones top ten quarterbacks and get your picture taken with them. Um, you know, you can be out downtown on Dolphin Street and you know one of these coaches or GMs pulls up to the bar and have a beer with you. I mean, it's just it's such a relaxed environment and. Uh, you know, it's so different than the combine that uh, I really think we're going to start marketing more towards the fans. Because to me, this is this is the ultimate guys' weekend. If you've got you know four or five buddies that just love football and love the draft, um, there's not a better place to be than Mobile in late January because you're you're totally immersed in NFL culture for that week. I can speak to that all the way. I mean, here at Stick to Football, people always ask us, you know, what are you doing for the combine? What are you doing for the combine? And we we always do one show at a brewing hall, but we do usually three live shows at Mobile because just the atmosphere, uh, the intimate atmosphere, how much fun it is, and it's a special town to be in each week. So 
I'm with you all the way. I can't wait to see it get even bigger and better. Jim, thanks so much for giving me all this time today, man. Had a lot of fun and hope you have a great summer. I'm sure we'll be talking a lot again soon. Yeah, anytime, Connor. Have a great summer, man. Hit me up. I'd uh, love to come back on later. Once again, a big thank you to Jim Nagy for spending some time with me as we went through uh, some of the players for next year's class, hopefully at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. The event keeps getting bigger and better than ever. So if you haven't been, can't recommend it enough. Even if you're not 21 years old, there's plenty to do around there. Even if you don't have credentials, you can get up close to practice. You really, really don't need them to get access. So uh, really just an awesome event that Stick to Football plans to be a part of going forward and bigger and better than ever. All right, as promised, we're going to get through some of the draft on draft questions here. This first one from Patrick Chamberlain in the Stick to Football Hall of Fame. Which first year NFL coach leads his team to the most wins this year? That's interesting. So first year NFL coach, you can't count a guy like Adam Gase that is a a retread here, essentially. I think when you look at Cliff Kingsbury, Arizona is in a really tough spot because that division is so good. But at the end of the day, I I feel like that team actually has a lot of talent. They're just in a really tough division. So I wouldn't necessarily bet against Arizona, but I I think the most obvious answer here is is the Cleveland Browns with Freddie Kitchens. It would be hard to really pick anyone else in this spot. It's going to be interesting with Freddie Kitchens. He still has a lot to prove as this is his first time being an NFL head coach, a lot of responsibility there. I think most importantly, he filled out a very capable NFL staff. If you listen to the show, you know how much I love Todd Munkin. I think that was an awesome hire. Freddie is a guy with, with plenty of experience, not only with Baker Mayfield and the offensive side of the ball, but I think having a guy like Munkin to work that quarterback room and more specifically game plan alongside kitchens, that's a powerful, powerful brain trust there. So the obvious answer is the Browns. Once again, Arizona's in a really tough spot. Miami, they've kind of accepted that they're in a huge rebuild here. I think once again, that the Jets are, the Jets should win seven or eight games, you would think this year, but Adam Gaze is not a first year head coach. And I think the Browns have, have a great chance to win that division. I, I know Baltimore, I've said it before, they're still, they're still the team until otherwise. But right now, the Browns, uh, there's a lot of excitement there over in Cleveland. So keeping it moving, that's a great question, though. Eric Bishop wants to know how likely is it that Najee Harris wins the Heisman? The odds are at plus 5,000, and I'm wanting to throw some money on it. I don't think that's crazy at all. I I think in the Alabama offense, it's about opportunity, not always talent. And Najee Harris should have both of those this year because the guy has a ton of talent, a former five-star, the top running back alongside in that class with Cam Akers. That was a special group of running backs this year. When you look at everybody in that group, whether it's a Travis Etienne or an AJ Dillon, Jonathan Taylor, I think as a group, it's a really special one. And he's been the forgotten guy because the other players have gotten so much more of a bigger role. But when you look at his numbers, also Alabama is going to win a lot of football games this year. I know Clemson is going to be the top ranked team in the country. Etienne, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Ross, T Higgins, those guys should have some Heisman odds and potential there. But when you look at Najee, right now and just this Alabama team he should be the workhorse in that backfield and he's made the most of the touches he's gotten there I mean you talk about a player with that kind of speed at his size 6'2 225 and once again last year he got 117 carries and averaged almost seven yards per carry so he's taking what's there he's not leaving anything on the table I think he can catch the ball. He just hasn't been used in that role a lot. He only had four catches last year, six as a freshman. So 
it's Najee's year. It's Najee's time now that Josh Jacobs and, and Damian Harris are out of that backfield. When you look at Najee there, I would, I would throw money on that personally. I'm not saying to put, put the bank on it, but those odds that seems absolutely ridiculous to me, but it might just be that we haven't seen it yet. So Dan Barnes tier lists have been circling around like crazy. In your opinion, what are the qualifications for being elite? Follow-up question. Do you still see Aaron Rodgers as elite or do you think his best years are behind him? So I think when you look at elite, you would hope that they have at least one elite season under their belt. And that means really numbers and wins combined. I think what we just saw from Patrick Mahomes was an elite season. I mean, it really was when it comes down to it. So that that's how it would go for me. And I do think when you look at that elite tier, of course, Tom Brady is in it. Of course, Drew Brees is in it. Those guys have winning pedigrees for how long now Mahomes is easily in it because of what he did last year. And it's hard to believe he's 23 years old and he won't even turn 24 until I think the second week of the NFL season, which is unbelievable after that 50 touchdown performance last year, over 5,000 yards and a quarterback rating of about 114. It was absurd what he did with that Kansas City offense. And Aaron Rodgers, to me, is still an elite quarterback. He really is. I think when it comes down to it, he needs to stay healthy. He hasn't always had the most help in that offense. Uh, Mike McCarthy out the door. I'm very curious to see the dynamic between him and Matt LaFleur. It, It really should, you know, bring back the fire in Aaron Rodgers. I think he's a guy that hates being overlooked. I know everyone's making fun of him right now for that awful beer chug. You look at the season last year, I mean, 25 touchdowns and two picks and almost 4,000, you know, over 4,400 yards. He had a great season. You just, and now Green Bay, they spent all that money on the defense. They drafted a ton on defense. So the defensive side of the ball is going to do the job that they need to do to put the ball back in Rogers' hands. I think LaFleur needs to challenge him. I think that's the most important thing. And Rogers will challenge him back. There's no doubt about that, but he is easily still an elite quarterback. I mean, you look at the numbers over the past couple of seasons and the fact that he's been injured throughout, I think coming into this season, healthy coming into the season, more motivated than he's probably ever been. Even after being overlooked in the NFL draft many moons ago, I think he's going to want to reclaim that title. I think it's kind of funny to me. Nobody talks about Russell Wilson being an elite quarterback, but I would have him in that tier. I think Russell Wilson's somebody that can completely take over the game on his own. And I think that's one of those things that factor into being an elite quarterback. You look at Mahomes; he's somebody that obviously does that. I think Baker Mayfield is somebody people hope can do that. And we have seen it early on already in his career. It can, it be consistent. So when you look at Russ, it's incredible what he's done in that offense. And once again, the touchdown to turnover ratio every year, it's special stuff. So I know a lot of people might not agree with that one, or it might not be the first one they think of, but I would have Russell Wilson firmly in that class. Moving on Mick Walker, as someone who has just graduated high school, what are your guys' future life plans coming out of high? What were your guys' future life plans coming out of high school and how have they changed or not fit what you do now? I'll hang up and listen. That's a great question. And one that I think Matt and Mello should definitely answer too, as well on the Friday show. It's funny when you come out of high school, I didn't even necessarily know what I wanted to study. I had a, an idea that I wanted to go into law more as uh, on the detective side. I took one semester of criminal justice courses and absolutely hated it. It was some of the most boring stuff. Maybe that falls on the professor's fault. Maybe not. And I moved on quickly to kind of just floating along to see what I liked and, and moved on to business marketing. Uh, I wanted to get into advertising. I always liked the creative side of those things. I graduated with a business degree and a minor in English just to keep writing. And I took, I've said this before, but I took a, a low level job here at Bleacher Report as a research assistant because 
I figured why not try that? And if it fails, go into the sales side, the advertising side of things. So coming out of high school, you don't have to know what you're going to do. I think there's a lot of people right now that are, I've get messages all the time. They're wisely ahead. They're 16, 17 years old, and they know they want to work in football already. And I tell them all the time, I said, keep a, a really large portfolio, a varied skill set. That means learn analytics, how to, you know, use data, what to do with data, gathering data and, and get the most efficient use out of it. And then also get a video production kind of side, because a lot of football teams at the college level need volunteers for their video program, cutting up film, going through film. I think that's great experience because it really builds your network. So plans always change. You don't have to have a life plan coming out of high school. It's ironic. A lot of people I know that did have that life plan, just wanted to be accountants and and make decent money or whether they want to be a doctor or a lawyer. And good for them. For me personally, I would have gotten really bored if I could have even gotten through that side of the schooling thing. So to each their own. But if you want to work in football, I think the most important thing is to just have such a varied skill set that you can offer a lot of different things and get ready to work a lot of free hours. That's the nature of it. It just is what it is. But if you love it, it won't really feel like work. So Andrew Magnuson, last question here for draft on draft. What do you guys hope the future of stick to football looks like? What can the stickies expect to enjoy this next coming year? So we're about to announce the tailgate tour schedule uh, probably either this week or at the top of next week. So that's going to be bigger and better than ever. A little hint here. It's going to have uh, some NFL games on it. It's not going to be just college, although it'll be uh, heavily involved in the college tailgating world. We'll be on the road a lot. We will still be going to the senior bowl and doing live shows from the senior bowl, probably from draft picks tap room, unless we need a bigger venue. If you listen to the interview a couple minutes ago with Jim, he wants more people down there in mobile and, I think that's going to happen as the NFL draft and the lead up to it gets bigger and better than ever. One really exciting thing, and I know we've mentioned it on the show, but specifically for stick to football is that uh, about midway through summer, we are going to be on video. Every show will be on video. We hope to have that on Bleacher Reports YouTube. Obviously, if you follow the stick to football accounts on Instagram or Twitter or our personal accounts on Twitter and Instagram, We're going to have tons of video content for you guys. We are still going to cover college football, but we are also going going to go back and cover a ton of the NFL, the the rookie spotlighting, all that stuff. We are really going to cover football from top to bottom on this show, and the shows are just going to get bigger, better, probably longer. We're still going to have guests on all the time, hopefully get more guests in studio, as you saw leading up to the draft, as we had guys like Tyree Jackson, Karan Higdon, Gerald Willis in studio with me. So the show is just... It's honestly keeps growing, and that's a huge thanks to our listeners. The more you guys participate or interact with the show, the more you come out to the events, office events. For those that came to New York City during draft week here at our Bleacher Report office, we hope to do more of that. We're going to do crossovers with the Lefko Show, our good friend Adam Lefko, just building this thing out. Uh, if we get crazy, maybe we'll be overseas for our overseas listeners in the UK or wherever they may be. So it's exciting. The show keeps getting bigger. We have more resources. It's always going to be at least three days a week, sometimes more emergency shows, emergency Instagram lives. So keep on sending those questions. Please keep on leaving those iTunes reviews. Those help us a ton. Get involved with the show. Give your take on topics that we cover because we absolutely love reading that stuff. And whether we give you feedback or we don't, we're always reading it and keeping up with it. So that's the show for today. Can't thank you guys enough for riding with me solo. Can't thank Jim Nagy enough for giving some of those takes on the Senior Bowl and where it's going and that senior class. Matt and Mello will be back with the Friday show Friday morning. We'll catch you guys then.